My guest today was elected city councilor for Ward 9 Davenport in 2022. She's lived in the ward for over 20 years and currently sits on the budget committee and is passionate passionate about solving the affordable housing problem in the city. Alejandra Bravo, welcome. Thank you so much, uh, Maggie, for having me for coffee this morning. Yeah, our little coffee talk. Um, I, okay, well, now that you've started talking about coffee, what's your favorite cup of coffee? Uh, I just have one. Okay. Uh, otherwise, I get a little nervous. But I, I honestly, I, it has to be for um, made from espresso, if possible. Okay. Um, and then that little water, so like an americano. That's my that's my <laughs> ideal. What about you? So, uh, you know what? I actually don't drink coffee. I'm a oh, really? tea drinker. And you know what? I only drink coffee once a week or sorry, twice a week. And that's driving uh, home from the show because I have to stay awake. So, yeah. uh, so I get, I you know, whatever's say, no, at Starbucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The big number two. Yeah. I don't buy, I make it at home yep. and then out on the street. I got to vote for diner coffee. It's still my favorite. Okay. All right. <laughs> Well, I want to get to know you uh, more, Alejandra, but first I, I need to ask you for your thoughts on what's happening on the TTC. It feels like every day this week we've heard of a violent attack on the transit system. Thursday, we all listened to the joint press conference with the mayor, TTC uh, chair and the police um, that they're, they've added police presence to the system. Is that the right approach, you think? Well, I, I'll start by saying that only people that don't ride the TTC every day would be surprised um, that things are every day more tense on transit. Mm -hmm. I mean, this has been really building for a long time. And I'd say that um, coming out of the pandemic, people are not okay. They're not okay in Toronto. They're not okay in other cities. And, and the, the kind of the transit system, it's so big in Toronto and moves so many people is the place where these things are playing out. Now, because a lot of us weren't surprised that things were tense on transit, that there are all kinds of social problems that are being uh, played out on transit, we've been calling for like urgent interventions uh, since the day you know we started here at council. Like the there are really like serious situations here. Like if you if you have um, any kind of crisis on the transit, there hasn't been anyone around to help for a really long time. You know that we. I, I, some of us will remember going into the um, into the station at a subway and seeing uh, people in the booth, people walking around, you know, helping people. Um, the trains used to have two workers, one at the front and one at the back. Mm -hmm. And so like the gradual reduction of uh, like responsible adults at the stations and in the system has been happening for a long time. And then we see that there are a lot of people that are sheltering on transit because there's nowhere else to go. I see people that work like they're obviously working an overnight shift and then they're sleeping on the transit because they just can't even, even though they work, they can't afford a place to live and the shelters are full. And so, and I think in general, like, I don't know what your experience is, but I think people came out of the pandemic a lot more harmed than, than, um, than governments are listening to. And I think that that's what's happening, uh, largely what I see happening with youth um, you know, we remember during the pandemic, the like large hospitalizations of young people for all kinds of like, you know, acting out, um, self-harm, eating disorders, um, and, and there's no help. There's no mental health support right now. And I think we're putting, we're, we're doing what has always been done, which is put more money into enforcement after the problems have hit people really hard. And I think it's the wrong balance. 
it's like crisis on top of crisis on top of crisis, right? Would you say that the TTC is safe then? Could you say that it's a safe system? Well, you know, I write it every day Mm -hmm. um, and I feel confident. Um, I, I am worried for people and it, and I'm definitely, you know, terrified for the people who've been harmed directly. Um, It is, is it as safe as it needs to be? No. Um, Will I continue to ride transit? Yes. Um, For a lot of us, there is no choice. Um, and, and, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of workers that have to take a, like a one and a half, two hour, like TTC ride each way. So I think starting from the idea that it, that, you know, that there's an alternative I think is problematic and we have a responsibility to just use every tool that we have to make sure that people feel safe in the city. And there's a lot of ways to do that, that we haven't tried. We're not funding and we're not leaning into, even though, decades of evidence tell us that that's the way to go. It's like one of my colleagues um, at the budget committee, Chris Moy said, it's just like we're, you know, the definition of doing something that isn't logical or sane is just continuing to do the same thing over and over again and getting the same result and then being surprised at the end. So would I say, you know, I, I'm going to ride the TTC and I think that the more ridership we have, the more safe we're going to be. And I think the route to that is, is not to cut the service, that we have to, um, in fact, increase TTC service so that a lot of the, you know, some of the violent incidents that I've seen that I've experienced have actually to do with frustrated riders. And I don't know if that's really being discussed enough in in this current debate. Yeah. You're part of the budget committee. And uh, one of the items that um, hopefully will be passed you know, I guess it depends on where you stand on this debate, is the addition of more uh, special constables on the system. Uh, you know, Premier Ford has said that the police situation, by putting more police uh, on the system, is a Band-Aid solution. Do you think upping the special constables to, I think the budget says 50 additional special constables, is that part of a long-term uh, solution as well? I mean, you're, you've talked, you've identified mental health housing, um, you know, a myriad of issues. Um, will the special constables be able to help with any of that? Well, special constables are not trained to provide people mental health support or find them housing right. or do any crisis work. And some of the interactions from fair enforcement officers and special constables um, have resulted in some uh, violent incidents and particularly targeting uh, uh, black people, mm-hmm. and uh, and so I, I'll tell you that this is hits very close to home because um, on Saint Clair, where I live, um, a young man was confronted by fair enforcement, um, assaulted. Then four officers attended. He was violently apprehended. Um, if it hadn't been captured on video, and if there hadn't been so many residents watching, this might have gone down as like, oh, he was resisting, or he he. When he was violent first, but in fact, it resulted in a multi-million dollar payout to him. He was 19 because there's so much, there were so many people that came forward to testify on his behalf. So I did ask how much those payouts and the lawyer fees are amounting to. Mm-hmm. I, I think that we have to be really clear that not everybody feels safe when enforcement is around. And we're spending a lot of money on, you know, pursuing um, fares from people that can't pay and in general, just not dealing with the problem like at the base of things, which is, 
you know, people are not right. They're not getting the help they need. Um, it's very frustrating on transit right now. I, I saw the other day a man clearly desperate to get home. Maybe he was picking up a child at daycare, I don't know, or going to work for a shift. And the streetcar was delayed and then it short turned and he got off and banged on the windows. He was just banging and it was it was pretty scary for some of the people mm. in the in the streetcar. Um, but it, that that's the stuff that happens or you're overcrowded and there's like arguments and, and sort of scuffles in, uh, between two transit riders, like on the Dufferin bus. So I don't think that actually the special constables are the way that we're going to get to where we need to go. Um, I would like to see, as many of my colleagues have said, uh, the crisis response workers that are working really well in the city right now. They rarely result in a, you know, in, in a, like maybe one percent, two percent calls to ambulance or police when they intervene in an incident, um, and then they get people the help that they need. And you know, it's 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 not it's everybody that's in a crisis it's people that go to work it's people that have um are affected by the addiction crisis in the city it's people who are having you know some mental health crisis and and it plays out on transit and and a lot of it i think it's going to end up being the cost with whether the constables or the police of removing people who are homeless who are themselves victims of crime and then there's nowhere to go and I think the last thing I'll say is a lot of the what the TTC riders has reported as violent incidents has to do with with like racist uh, kind of attacks on people. Mm-hmm. And I and I think we need to talk more about that as well. Um, yeah, this it, it's going to cost a lot of money, but we're just going to get the same results. So let's do something different. And I love the fact that you talked about that, Alejandra, because I think you know, as we look at policing as solving this immediate problem, we do have to think about the relationship uh, the police and special constables have had with uh, certain communities. And how do we mend that as we look at, you know, bringing trust back to the whole system? You know, when I talk about the whole system, I mean the TTC, but also uh, the policing system as well. We're going to take a quick break, but we're going to return with more with Toronto City Councillor and Alejandra Bravo. Uh, you're listening to Toronto This Weekend on 640 Toronto. We are back with City Councilor of Ward 9, Alejandra Bravo. Alejandra, you have been in you know local community politics and organizations for over 25 years. Why decide to get into uh, city politi- politics and become a city councilor? Uh, you know, it's, it's an interesting process to bring in all those connections with um, my local community and then with citywide organizations at this time into city council. It really was the opening of the former councillor leaving that made me think that, yeah, I think we need a more progressive voices at council, the, you know, the kind of people that live in their ward, ride TTC, uh, ride, you know, cycle around and, and, uh, my community really asked me to come step forward. And I thought that we've been doing things wrong, in my opinion, um, and, you know, not investing in things that really matter, cutting services that people need. And, you know, when this summer, when when I saw that the, some of the pools didn't have water in them and there were young people roaming around with nothing to do coming out of this really difficult pandemic, the pools didn't open because the city couldn't get the staff to be lifeguards. And, and that was really sad it, to me. It thought, I thought, you know, we, 
this is a generation that sacrificed a lot for the rest of society. They're coming out to um, an economic situation. Their parents are concerned, inflation, the rent, the cost of food, and then there's no support for them. And, and I feel like as a society, we've just said, Hey, everything's okay, but it's not, Mm. it's not okay. We have a homelessness crisis. That's really escalated out of control um, people are being harmed and we're cutting back on the services that people rely on to make a good life and, and to be okay and, and that's I think the wrong choice so I think a lot of us came uh, in this new council uh, you know we have a, for seven first-time city councillors and we've come with the desire to try different things to do what the evidence tells us and to respond in a brave way um, to the community concerns and a lot of those were raised at the budget committee last uh, week. And, and I think that we didn't listen enough in the city of Toronto. Talk to me a little bit more about that. You know, you said we've been doing things wrong. We've been cutting services. We have a $16.1 billion budget that's uh, being proposed. Uh, and, and there are a lot of critics of this budget that say it doesn't go for far enough. It isn't innovative enough. Um, that we are failing infrastructure, we are not setting the city up to be the world-class city that it is. Sitting on the budget committee, how, how do you see that? Well, the first thing is uh, 12 years of keeping property taxes low, telling the public, oh, don't worry, we've got this, mm-hmm. uh, when it, you know, it, this isn't got right now. The, the, when you keep property taxes below the, fl- the rate of inflation, one, you're not you're not spending money on fixing things that are broken in the city, and two, um, you're cutting operating services. So that means that there are fewer workers. You know that there's challenges with staffing, recreation. There's there's tons of vacancies in a public library system. A lot of vacancies in the planning department. That's why things take so long, and constructions are is delayed to build housing. So it's it's not it's sort of like. Um, penny wise, pound foolish. And I think that people know that if you have, you know, your there's some shingles missing on your roof and you don't replace them, eventually you're going to have a leak. And then you might not just have to like, change the roof and get a new roof. You might have to fix inside the house as well. And uh, because that's what's happening in the city of Toronto with crumbling infrastructure. And I think that because we don't name the problem and we don't act with enough energy to, to say, hey, things aren't working, infrastructure isn't working, we're not providing the level of service that people need, um, for example, on transit, uh, then we can't really make the case as effectively to the provincial and federal government to step up. I think tough choices have to be made at the city. And right now, making sure that people aren't evicted, getting people inside um, when we have upwards of 18,000 people who are experiencing homelessness right now, um, giving the support to young people in particular who are telling us with their behavior. I mean, we're, t- we're talking about kids that are 13 who are involved in some in some very risky behavior and harmful behavior, not just to other people, but for to themselves. And wh- what are we doing to step up? I think it's uh, really crucial that we also remember that there are other like another crisis that's weighing down on people, which is climate and, you know, cutting transit service and not doing the rollout of bike lanes fast enough, not making it easy for people to walk safely. That's a, you know, that's a bad climate choice. And then we pay for it later. It's again, it's like spend uh, like penny wise, pound foolish because of all of the 
climate incidents we've had. We've had, you know, flooding at transit stations, flooding in people's homes. Um, all, you know, there's a, there's, it's just all connected. And we're, we're putting so many resources into policing. Even before this announcement yesterday by the mayor, there was going to be a 5.5% increase to the police budget while a lot of other things are cut. It's already a, a massive budget, uh, more than $1 billion. And, you know, it doesn't come with any any kind of guarantees that some of the problems that the police have faced and that they've, from their own admission, including around respecting human rights and um, and not, you know, uh, targeting um, uh, Black, Indigenous and racialized groups. And also the, like the, the, the length of time 911 calls are taking, all of these things need to be resolved. Um, we can't continue to invest in that model, I think, uh, when we haven't done the work of diverting uh, calls to people who are well-trained as social workers or mental health workers, public health workers, who are actually showing us that they can take many of the calls that police get and divert them, save a lot of money and get better outcomes. And that's what I think that a lot of counselors would like to see in this budget. And that's the kind of balance that we're looking for. So if I were a fly on the wall, what was that conversation like, Alejandro? Because, you know, there has been so much defense of uh, the uptick on the police budget. And, and you know, people, there have been a lot of people who are echoing what you're saying, that this increase is, is probably not the best solution. What was that conversation like at the Budget Committee, um, you know, delving into just where money should be allocated? I know you also have a passion about affordable housing as well. So how do you how do you rally for these causes to make sure that they also um, are, are on the budget line as well? Well, I, one thing to know about the Budget Committee, uh, Maggie, is that we're just there to advise. Like we yeah. listened we listen to deputations and I'm, a lot of what I'm bringing to you is I, I listen to about 150 people um, out of 230 uh, come and tell us what they wanted. And overwhelmingly, what I'm telling you today is what the people of Toronto have said to us in the, this, uh, the city budget process and what I hear coming into my council office. Um, we proposed and I, I proposed a motion that said um, that we wanted to give the mayor advice that this budget doesn't get the balance right, that we need to invest in solving the homelessness crisis and, um, and make sure that people are housed and that we need to invest in uh, vision zero and climate change to keep people safe on, on the roads. Uh, and we need to invest in the mental health, youth violence uh, prevention kind of supports that we know work. And that, um, and I did, and I did speak to the fact that enforcement isn't what's going to get us out of this situation. It's what decades of evidence um, are telling us, including the youth, Toronto Youth Cabinet, which gave a very powerful deputation. But we heard from uh, business owners. We heard from transit riders. We heard from people that are involved in residence associations. It was it was a pretty loud voice. Uh, so my motion, I tabled it, and it was unanimous. And that now goes to as advice to the mayor. But at the in the meantime, he made this massive police budget increase. And and by the way, we don't know what it's going to cost. Like we have as a, we got together um, some council colleagues and started to ask ourselves questions. Like, is this you know this is um, eighty officers with experience? They'd be pretty high on the pay grade, and they're going to get paid overtime. Yeah. We're talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars on this one 
solve. All right, stick with us. We are going to be right back with Alejandra Bravo. We're back with City Councilor of Ward 9, Alejandra Bravo. And uh, thank you so much, Alejandra, for staying with us. One of the passions that you have been very vocal about is affordable housing. And you have challenged uh, the mayor and the budget committee to look at ways to help uh, better in that area. You know, I I think about this, Alejandra. It costs, on average, $3,300 a month to rent a two-bedroom in the city. Yeah. That is not affordable by any stretch of the imagination. And I know when you when you say that to people, they're like, well, that's the cost of living in a big city. But, you know, we are seeing more and more homeless people. When I drive in every on the weekends, um, I'm seeing more tents under under the gardener. And I know those get cleared out, but they end up back. Um, how are we solving this problem? And obviously, I, I, I'm hearing that your concern is that the budget isn't solving this problem as well as it needs to. Yeah, definitely. The there's some problems I think with the the lack of rent control um, that was taken away in um, in the 90s, and we're seeing the result. And there's not enough enforcement of protections of tenants. I think like the city of Toronto has a program where you can phone in and say, "Hey, my landlord hasn't made repairs. Everything's leaking," and and that's a way to get rid of tenants. Right? You just let the building decay until you have to say oh we have to renovate goodbye um people need help there there's a lot of people become like getting evicted right now because landlords can uh, charge more expensive rents and there's a lack of a uh, like affordable housing supply we haven't really invested in this country in affordable housing since the 90s so you know it takes you know 30 this is decades in the making this crisis i think also you think about the low wages, like 3,000, over 3,000 for a two bedroom. Uh, there are a lot of people that work full time, not on minimum wage, who can't afford that. And, you know, to say that, oh, too bad, so sad. Like we are all members of this community in Toronto. Um, we need workers here to do uh, the work, but also we just can't have continue to have this model where displacing people for profit is is the right way to go. And then we have to you know, deal with all the the social issues that come. So I think like uh, taking the approach that, hey, uh, a roof over your head is a right and we got to work that way would be a good start. Um, And then on the other side of the the increasing numbers of evictions, um, it is, I think, the lack of real grappling with how few uh, supports are on the street. So we, when I started, one of the things that I learned was, you know, I thought that, honestly, that there was a place to go at night if you needed an emergency place to get inside. And there just isn't. Hmm. You know, you have to call it central intake to get a shelter bed. Um, you can't get through. There are hundreds of people are being turned away each week. Um, and then there's a massive waits for affordable housing. We're not building that fast enough. And so telling people, you know, hey, just hang on. You know, we're going to build affordable housing and it's going to come on stream in five or ten years. By that time, people who are on the street are becoming sicker. And, you know, I, if I had to sleep on the subway, honestly, a few nights, um, I would I would lose it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how people can survive. It's, and then when people set up encampments, they're those, you know, they're destroyed. Actually, the city, um, um, the provincial court found uh, yesterday that this city of Waterloo or Waterloo region um, can't really clear encampments until they can provide 
a roof over people's mm. heads. This is something that's going to continue to play out on the courts. Um, but at the same time, we're investing massively in police. And I just wanted to go back to the cost of this. Like yeah. Toronto is copying like a, a cycle that's already been played out in the U.S. and it didn't work. Last year, um, because of an uptake in violent incidents on transit, last year, New York City spent millions and millions of dollars more on police, just like we're planning to do here. And the result was 30% more in um, violent incidents. Hmm. So that just so and then and then all of the all of the like the costs that come with like arrests or removal of people who are homeless and you remove someone who's homeless from transit and where do you put them on the street or in jail? Like it's, it, it, these are not the right way to go. Um, and so we've been, we've been fighting at the board of health and we're bringing to council next week, a motion saying treat the homelessness situation as the crisis that, that's it, that it is recognize that there are all kinds of things contributing to that. Yes. That there's uh, um, addiction and, and mental um, health challenges that are put people on the street. And, and also there's just the economic challenges of the high cost of living, high cost of rents, low wages, and people falling through the cracks, increasingly seniors, uh, increasingly uh, people who are vulnerable. And this is the, the state that we're living in. And that's just not acceptable to a lot of us. It doesn't make for a good life to live in a place where uh, people are out there exposed to frostbite um, and to violence yeah. as we so what is the solution? I know you talk a lot about early intervention. What does that look like? Yeah, it starts with um, helping people to stay housed. It starts with investing in the programs that help young people be reconnect and rebuild the sense of community that we lost through the pandemic. Um, you know, like we're, we have to, I think, like I would like to see the, the police budget increase go into programs that are going to immediately help people get inside, get off transit, out of the libraries, uh, up like a roof over people's head and in inclement weather 24 hours a day. Um, I want to see that the like the crisis response teams that are already being that are really built in Toronto, that that gets scaled up and that what we actually have um, a, a big presence of uh, crisis workers on transit and that we get more of those, you know, the caring people that used to be at stations and get more uh, people present um, to help each other out. And, and I want to see a focus on, on youth. Um, I think that it's, you know, we, we've, their mental health and their behavior has really um, gone down in a really short amount of time. And we need to be looking toward those solutions. Um, you know, we, lots of evidence over the years has shown that this is going to work. Um, and, you know, it just takes an all sort of everybody all hands on deck approach. Um, but honestly, I want us to start by naming it. Like we we made in this country policy and funding choices that have led to a lack of housing, that have led to this job market that's so unfair for many people on the bottom end of the wage scale. And that we have systematically underfunded mental health, um, for, particularly for children, but all the way through and that there is no help coming from any level of government to deal with the, you know, the, the problems that at, at the city level we face that were, you know, created by a lot of decisions that were made at the provincial and federal level. Send help. We need help. 
recognize that COVID was a life-altering event for a lot of people. They have come out in the world, not just in Toronto, but all over North America, and that it, it's created a lot of instability socially. So treat it like the crisis that it is and, and, and attend to it. Um, and stop doing more of what we know hasn't worked in the past. Stop doing what New York just told us it won't work. You know, we have, um, we have like, we have to act like this really is a time to lean in to what the public, the people affected are telling us. And there's, a, you know, we're making cuts, effectively cuts to community-based programs. And I visit these organizations in my ward and other parts of the city. They've been on the front line the whole time, helping people as they become more and more vulnerable and they become more and more, um, you know, closer and closer to being on the street, closer and closer to being unwell. And they're getting a cut from the city of Toronto because we're not, you know, we're not giving them the cost of living increase that they need. So why? It's such a small amount of money. We could be investing in the caring workers out there who are actually the people that take care of us in, in times of, of turbulence like we're experiencing now. I could talk to you all day, Alejandra. You have such great, innovative ideas. And I feel encouraged when I hear you talk about how we can make our city better. Thank you so much for so much. joining me today for our coffee talk. Oh, thank you so much, Maggie. Let's uh, make this a regular thing. A <laughs> we will definitely Saturday. invite you back. Absolutely. You. Enjoy Take your care. espresso.